Daniel, just like we called it last week, Sean Strickland, we, t- we told you last week here on the pod, he's going to be your new UFC middleweight champ. Oh, yeah, we did not say that. I did say this could be the year of the shit talker. <laughs> you, yes, you did say that. Yes, you did. <laughs> so, Sean O'Malley is now a champion. Sean Strickland is a champion. The Colorado Buffaloes are 2-0. and Jason, what else? Who else is talking some shit that's going to win a championship that uh, I have not seen? You know, it's uh, one of the craziest things to see. Very surreal. Sean Strickland just went out there, dude, and completely outstruck Israel Adesanya. I couldn't believe what I was watching when I was watching it. Hats off to Sean Strickland. He is now in the history books. He is no longer just, oh, remember that one contender who was kind of funny? He is now a champion that we'll remember forever. And you think about it, he does an interview last week where he talks about, hey, I got to I gotta be in his face the entire fight. And he literally, it, it, it doesn't always happen this way, but sometimes fighters tell you what they want to do, even though Eric Nixick, his head coach, said, yeah, we were trying. We, the goal was to go in there and wrestle. But, man, it goes out there. Hat tip, not just to Sean Strickland. Hat tip to, to Eric Nixick and the game plan that he did put together and the fact of and, – and, Nixick was doing an interview with Luke Thomas this week where he said that after the fight was over, Izzy came up to him and he said, hey, man, kudos, man. You, you knew what you were watching because you were calling out exactly what I was going to do right before I was going out there and do it. So we're going to talk about what happened there with Sean Strickland, a couple other things at UFC 293, get you ready for Saturday's UFC card, UFC Noche or Noche UFC. I've seen him called both things by, by the UFC. Also, we got to talk about a UFC fighter arrested. I'll tell you about my interaction with that, and Daniel's going to play a little game with me as he's going to give me six fighter names. Three are going to be actual UFC fighters. Three are going to be fake UFC fighters. Let's see if I can name three real UFC fighters. I'm scared to death of this game because I feel like I might not get one right. Uh, plus, we got to talk about uh, Bellator 301 was announced yesterday. Yeah, Bellator 301 was announced yesterday. Also, we got a Kayla Harrison fight as that was announced yesterday by the PFL. Plus, uh, we'll wrap up the show. We'll get a little update on Daniel's professional wrestling journey. And uh, I got to tell you about... Um, my Saturday night in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, at the uh, the sports bar that I was at, and most notably when we were leaving the sports bar about something that I saw. So we got a ton to get into here on this episode of the podcast. Of course, as always, appreciate you taking time out of your day, whether you're watching us on YouTube or if you're listening to us on the podcasting platforms. I know we have a ton more listeners on the podcasting platforms than we do on YouTube, even though, Daniel, I'm finding myself more watching podcasts on YouTube now than actually listening to them on Apple podcast. I can't relate to you. I do watch myself, my fair share of YouTube podcast, but that's usually when I'm doing some exercise in my room, Jason, but I'm not just on the computer screen watching podcasts. Is that what you're doing? Or you just had, or do you have it on in the background? A little bit of both, a little bit of both. Like last yeah. night, I was just sitting on the couch and I, you know, I popped it up on YouTube. The only thing I, I say I do kind of more prefer on the podcasting platforms is uh, depending on the the show and and the the cadence of their voice. I usually either play it at one and a quarter speed or one and a half speed, just to kind of get them through a little bit quicker. But uh, that, that's yeah, kind of I do I do one and a half speed. But I think the difference is I have big commutes. So that's where I listen to my podcast. Like I have to drive 40 minutes usually just to get to work. And then my job is usually on the road. But what's your favorite? Like what makes a good video podcast? What makes it pop? 
I think if there, there's some there's some type of visual aspect of it that makes more sense. You know, I think especially when I'm uh, watching more like football type podcasts and there's some type of you know graphics are showing things along those lines that that kind of sticks out to me. But uh, you know, it's yeah, that, it's that, shirtless. Uh, no, 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 okay. no, no, right. no shirtless well, podcast. No, I do my other job shirtless. So um, as a professional wrestler. So I have no problem going shirtless and pumping up these viewership numbers on YouTube. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going shirtless. And that, that's that's yeah. something you, I, you you can lock that as a guarantee on this podcast. That's not going to happen. You're not Jason, why don't you shirtless. go show people the big wall of guns you have? No, no. There's not many people that want to see that. <laughs> that was crazy. I mean, it's the most believable thing. But damn, watching Sean Strickland tape up that middleweight championship belt. <laughs> just his wall is crazy. He looks like a Bass Pro Shop like gun section. I was like, this guy is interesting. Uh, we have ourselves an interesting champion. That's all I got to say. There are going to be some headlines. There are going to be some crazy times. But I, I will say, bro, like Strickland might become a big star because he is just content for a content goldmine. I thought I saw there's a couple of clips I saw this week. One clip was from the Coma Event podcast where they're like, you know, you know, sometimes you'll be like, they'll dig up some old tweets and they're like, they're joking and say, well, you probably only go back about 15 tweets. You'll probably find something that, that someone's got a problem with what Sean Strickland said. But I, I saw a clip and Jedi Goodman does a great a post and clip from Ariel's show. And I was watching this clip and he was. You know, obviously, there, there's a lot of sentiment about whether uh, the UFC loves having Sean Strickland as a champion, or maybe way that they're not exactly thrilled with it because of Sean Strickland's personality. But Ariel, I, I thought brought up a really interesting point. Is like, you know what? There's probably more fans that will relate who watch mixed martial arts that relate with Sean Strickland than that are you know that can't stand him. And and I, and I never thought of it that way. But when I heard Ariel say it, I'm like, uh, Ariel's not wrong. A lot of people are going to relate to Sean Strickland and he's going to become a big star because he feels that idea that a lot of people in this country and in this world like of, oh, you're just trying to cancel us for being a me or everyone's, you know, like all this, like that type of sentiment that people have. He just says it how it is, you know, that 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 dislike of feeling constrained by like wokeness or whatever, there's a lot of people who dislike that. And so all those people are going to gravitate towards Sean Strickland. And that's a lot of people in this country. So he's going to fill that void and he's going to become a champion for those people. And that means a lot of people are going to pay money to watch him fight. All those clips are going to go viral. And people who aren't mixed martial arts fans are going to follow his career. Yeah, I was thinking about this driving to the studio, and I don't know why it came up. But I was like, man, if you if we can have anybody join me and Daniel on the pod, you know, as a special guest, like who would be like on that bucket list? And this one came to my mind. How about Sean Strickland's girlfriend? Yeah, that's a good one. Because you, 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 you I'm, I'm, I'm watching all these Eric Nixick interviews, and, and he's talking about the impact of her on his life. And I'm sitting there. I mean, I watched the Sean Strickland appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast. I'm sitting there going, who is going to get the Sean Strickland and his girlfriend? I have no idea what her name is. And get them two on a podcast together. Come on, Joe Rogan. You got to pull this one off. I mean, that that would be must-watch podcasting. Yeah, that's a great that's a great pull because that just you have so many questions about how that works 
what it's like to date a man like Sean because he's crazy. He's just a wild man. He really do, do, is. I mean, does she carry the gun to the the mailbox like Sean does? Yeah, is the restroom in better shape now? There are so many questions, and obviously she's really good for him because he's the champion now. I mean, maybe that's all he was missing was a girlfriend, and now he's the freaking champion of the world. Like when I do, when I watch him fight, bro. The one thing about Strickland is like maybe I was dead wrong when I said if you're the only one who trains like that, it's a bad idea. Maybe I was dead wrong. Maybe sparring all the time was actually genius because his reflexes and ability to get out of the way like he's Neo in the Matrix from all of Izzy's strikes, it was crazy, bro. How frustrated must Adin and Sonya must have been every time he threw a strike, Sean got the hell out of the way. Like, that to me is the number one attribute of Sean Strickland. Even though he was pressuring Izzy the whole time, moving forward, moving forward, every time Izzy threw something, he was he was a ghost. He wasn't there. Think about this over the last 14 months in UFC title history. If you take away the UFC women's featherweight title, the only fighter to be a UFC champion 14 months ago and is still a champion right now is Alexander Volkanovsky. It's crazy. It's crazy. It goes it goes in peaks and valleys. It, it the trends change cuz there were times when we had those mainstays as champion when it was John Jones as a UFC light heavyweight champion for years. And other guys holding on to their championships for a long time. And now it's just the the winds are changing. Who when you look at this list of champions, okay? Right now Outside of Volkanovski, who's going to hold on to their championship for a good while? You think? Okay, I, I, I'm going to give you my answer. I got to follow. I've got a follow up question for you. Who's going to hold? I, I even though it's a division that is peaks and valleys, I'm going to go Islam Mahachev. Yeah, that's a good call. I'm going to go Islam and John at heavyweight. Well, I, I, here's the problem with going with John is, you know, is John magically going to retire within the next 12 months? It's a valid point. The other one, honestly, like maybe Leon at welterweight, it really depends on his matchups. Dude, the, uh, you bring up the welterweight division. I I, I got to show you, I, there was this tweet I saw and I retweeted it, and it is absolutely amazing. On the UFC welterweight top 10 and uh, – this person uh, brings this tweet up. He goes, as of now, none of the top 10 UFC welterweights have been scheduled to fight in any welterweight bouts. They have been inactive for Leon Edwards, six months. Usman, six months. Covington, one year and six months. Bilal, four months. Hamzat, one year, eight months. Burns, four months. Uh, Rachmanov, six months. Thompson, nine months. Neil, six months. Brady, 11 months. Vicente Luque, one month. That is a wow. insane number when we're talking about the UFC Watchweight division. And as we do this podcast, Edwards versus Covington has not been announced. Um, I know Dana White was asked last week about, I guess it was a Daily Beast, which, of course, Dana went on a little tangent about Daily Beast, that John Jones doesn't want Colby Covington as a part of the co-main event of UFC 295. Of course, 295 tickets won't sell. I saw a thing that apparently the cheap ticket for 295 is like was $900. Holy fuck. I mean, 
No, yeah, dude, just spend a thousand dollars for a cheap ticket, basically, because that's what it's gonna be to to get into the dude, building. Dude, that's absurd. Like, 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 bro. Maybe for UFC, like three hundred. Okay, I might spend that much money for a cheap seat. Maybe I probably wouldn't. I probably would never spend a thousand dollars to get a shit view of a show when you could just be. You think of how much beer you could buy for a thousand dollars? You could buy enough beer to last you a month. Dude, how good of a how great of a night could you have? To, I mean, like literally wherever you live, whatever the upscale rest you know steakhouse you want to go to. Like, if I'm going to do an upscale dinner on a, a Friday or Saturday night, I'm here in Tampa. I'm going over to Silver Hard Rock Casino. I'm going over to Council Oak. You give me a thousand dollars, and you know we're we're gonna have a nice dinner, some drinks. We're gonna watch the UFC fights. I don't even know if I could have spent a thousand dollars, dude. I would spend it, and I would make sure I would get. I don't know if this is how OnlyFans works, but I would get Ty Tuivasa. I would spend a thousand dollars so he could drink a shoey with me. That's what I would do. I would rather spend that money, get Ty Tuivasa to do a cameo in person, drinking some shoeys, and we're watching UFC 295. But uh, yes, Jason, uh, the UFC has officially priced me out. We are talking about like. Like, that's how much money I make in a week, basically. Like, I'm not going to spend that much money. Uh, also, that's actually more than I make in a week. I don't make 52 grand a year. So that's more money than I make in a freaking week working 40-plus hours on the job. I am not – yeah, that's crazy. For a crap seat, if I'm spending $900, I'm getting a good view of what I'm watching. Yeah, exactly. Here's a question I want to ask you on the UFC champions. When we look at all the titles that have changed hands over the last 14 months – which is the most surprising? Sean Strickland, Leon Edwards, Sean O'Malley, Alexa Grasso. Man, let's power rank them. Let's power rank them. Okay, you know what's crazy? I almost feel like Sean Strickland was the least surprising. Call me crazy, but I feel like Sean was the least surprising. Obviously, Izzy was a big favorite. But, but, but we've already seen Izzy falter once. He's 34 years old. He's already been a champion and he reclaimed and slayed the dragon of Alex Pereira. What else is there to do? So that's when it's time to lose the belt. And Sean's consistently been a top 10 middleweight for a very long time. And he fights a fighting style that is interesting. So I would say that's the second least surprising. Probably the least surprising is going to be Sean O'Malley, actually. That's the least surprising because he showed he could hang when he fought Peter Yan close. Peter Yan is a championship-level fighter. So Sean O'Malley is the least surprising. Sean is the second least surprising. I'm going to go with Leon as the, as the third least surprising. And the most surprising is going to be Alexa Grasso. And I think the reason why is just how big of a gap Shevchenko put between herself and that division. And not only did Grasso beat her, Jason – she finished her. Yeah, well, let's. That's something actually I kind of want to talk about. Was that, was that the right pick? Was that the right pick? Do you disagree I, or agree? I could go either way. I mean, you got to pick one, man. Put I, your I think, name on it. If I was probably going to pick one, I think uh, to me it's either Grosso or Strickland. It's one of the two. Okay. okay I mean, look, well, I I'm on this podcast last week, going, "How the hell does Sean Strickland win this fight?" Now I said that you know he he had to you know be in the face of Izzy that that was a, a key aspect to it but but this is a thing where when you talk about in terms of where does this rank in terms of biggest upsets in UFC title fight history when you think about some of the biggest upsets in title fight history so I, I wrote down uh, five fights 
Sarah GSP, Home Rousey, Nunez Pena, Rockhold Bisbing, Grosso, Shevchenko. Now, here's where the Strickland fight's a little different. All those other fights I mentioned were all stoppage victories. The last time that I can recall where we had a major upset in a title fight it, that was a decision. You got to go back to when Randy Couture defeated Tim Sylvia all the way back in the day after he lost the, the light heavyweight title, was away for a little while, comes back, and then, of course, gets that five-round decision against Tim Sylvia. Like, I, I And I, I heard someone else bring this point up, and like to me, I, I think it's, it's always going to be difficult, I think, for longtime MMA fans to sit there and say there is a greater upset in title fight history than Matt Sarah defeating GSP. To me, the most impactful upset is Holly Holmes' victory over Ronda Rousey. When you think of where Rousey was at that point of her career, I think from an impact-wise, it's up there. But, like, if you tell me Sean Sean Strickland might be the second biggest upset in UFC top fight history behind GSB and Sarah. Here's Here's another decision upset that happened at UFC 112. Frankie Edgar via decision over BJ Penn. It's a good one. That it's was good kind one. of a ch- yeah. Well, and to be fair, it's not like it came off the dome. I googled like top upsets, and I was going through <laughs> and, Hey, at least and, you're honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't. I'm not like some savant. Uh, so I was looking through all the upsets, and I'm like, all right, which one? So that's the other decision. But you are 100 percent right, bro. I'm looking at the biggest MMA upsets of all time from Tapology, bro. And we're talking about like 40 some fights, and like there's only three or four decisions and. Edgar Penn is the first one. So there's something about a decision uh, decision where it's like it's like uh, convincing. It's like you clearly are the better fighter. This wasn't a freak show incident. This was you were the better man that night. The other decision that I saw, which I don't remember if he was that big of a dog, it doesn't feel like an upset to me with the benefit of hindsight, but Cejudo beating DJ was another one that was up there. Um, but I don't feel like that was that big of an upset, but maybe I'm just, you know, I've been colored by how those careers have gone on moving forward. But, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, it was a huge upset. There's nothing, you know, Strickland has had an identity. Izzy has had an identity. And the idea that they were going to fight on the feet for 25 minutes and Izzy was going to lose is kind of crazy. But, again, Strickland fights in a way where he can make things ugly for his opponent. He can control the fight. Mm-hmm. And Izzy's – can get in his own head sometimes. And I kind of think that's what happened. I mean, here, here's my impression of Izzy doing the post-fight interview. All right, here's my coach. <laughs> Answer some questions, brother. Yeah, I mean, the I think the ultimate question with Izzy, it becomes of, okay, well, well, why? You know, was it just an off night? Was it because of issues maybe outside of training? I mean, obviously, he's kind of had a, a very public uh, breaking up with his longtime girlfriend. Um, you know, is it just, you know what, you know, maybe fighting as often as he's fought, maybe that's been kind of the downfall. But let's play a little true-false. UFC will book an immediate rematch for Izzy, and if you say false, what's the most likely person to challenge Sean Strickland next? Even now, if I was the matchmaker, I'm not giving Izzy a rematch. He he's now one and two in his last three fights. You know, I, I just and to me, it's not like it was a close fight. It was a clear win. But I I truly think the UFC will book an immediate rematch here, even though that's not the route I would go. I think if he's gonna fight a new challenger. 
it's DDP that deserves the championship fight. Jason, they're booking a rematch. Okay, let me. It's real simple, brother. It's real simple. All right, we just saw on the tip. We just saw there's this new company called TKO. You got WWE and Dana White. They sleep. They 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 sleep in the same house now that Ari Emanuel's put up, and they're trying to make some money. So let me ask you, brother. What middleweight championship fight can the UFC put on? Will make more money than Strickland and Izzy too? Give me the give me the fight suit that will make more money. I can't give you a fight because that's not the case. I mean, so that's going to be the fight. That's going to be the fight. That's the answer. <laughs> okay, all right. If you're the UFC, why not do Izzy DDP as a number one contender fight? And then you do you give Jerry Cannonier the rematch against against Strickland for the title. That's gonna Cannonier and Strickland's gonna sell zero pay per views. I get it, but man, you could always make Strickland Cannonier the main event. Izzy DDP the co main event. You got the heat in the co main event. You know those two guys. Uh, you know don't care for each other. I mean, I just think it's gonna be more marketable to sell. Izzy's redemption story again with the shit talker Sean Strickland versus doing what you just said. I really do think, and by the way, everything I'm saying, I disagree from a sporting perspective. From a sporting perspective, Izzy doesn't deserve a championship fight. He fought for 25 minutes and he lost clearly. He needs to fight DDP to get back up. But Jason, I'm telling you, I really believe that if they did what you did compared to just selling a straight up championship main event, that championship main event with Izzy and Sean would do more numbers. I just think it's much simpler to sell to an audience. The main event is Izzy trying to be champion again versus Izzy and DDP don't like each other. This is the co-main event, and the main event is Cannoneer and Strickland. Like, like if you are just able to do full-court press, we're selling you Strickland and Izzy too, that to me is going to do the most money by a pretty wide margin. I, I got another name for you. This would sell pay-per-views, I think. Oh, I got it. I know what you're going to say. Actually, no, I don't. Maybe I do. What do he's you got say? he's got a fight booked right now. He uh-huh. fights on the next pay per view. He'll be at 185 pounds. Yeah, Hamzat Chimaev. Chimaev Strickland sells pay per views. That one might be a bigger. That one it probably isn't a bigger fight, but it's right up there. That Chimaev sells pay per views. If you do Chima, if Chimaev wins in the pay per view, and you do Strickland versus Chimaev. Izzy versus DDP, that would maybe be bigger than Izzy Sean too, I think. Yeah, I think you just figured it out. I think you just figured it out. You did some math and you figured it out, man. That that to me is the one that's got to be uh, a part of it. Um, you know, it, that's well, dangerous. I mean, that's a dangerous fight, bro. I don't want to see that pre-fight hype. Chemayev might get really pissed off of what Sean says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude that's gonna be scary i don't know if they can put that fight on the books bro if that fight gets booked it will never happen because there will be an altercation before the fight yeah i mean look it's going to be a interesting run here as sean strickland as ufc middleweight champion now the other uh big notable item to come out of ufc 293 is the homophobic slurs that were thrown out there <laughs> charlie nice. radke um did you read his apology I read the one he put on Twitter. Is that what you're referring to? 
Yeah, where he says, I'd like to sincerely apologize to UFC fans across the world and to the fans here in Sydney for the remarks I made post-fight today. Those comments are not a reflection of who I am, and they don't belong on a platform as great as what the UFC has provided me. My emotions were running high. It's hard to explain the way your mind works when you're locked in a cage to fight another man with your entire livelihood and dreams on the line. I plan to learn from my mistakes from both during and after the fight, and I'm hoping that I can get an opportunity to correct them in the future. Chuck Buffalo loves everybody. When I first saw that, I was like, eh, I don't necessarily believe you. Yeah, I mean, he's trying to save his job. I mean, uh, look, the, the way he said that in the cage and Daniel Cormier just trying to get that microphone out of the cage as quickly as possible. Oh, my God. And when Daniel was interviewing Manel Cop, and Manel Cop says the same slur, I felt so – I mean, Daniel Cormier was like a meme at that point. I mean, that was the commenting situation. It was Daniel Cormier. Poor Daniel Cormier. He probably had nightmares. Like, when Sean Strickland won that championship, he probably was so nervous. He was like, oh, my <laughs> God. I'm going for the hat trick. It's – um. Look, bro, that's embarrassing. That's effing embarrassing that your athletes are on your programming saying that stuff. That Those words are really mean. Those words are really hateful, and they should be out of our vocabulary because, like, they make a segment of the population feel awful, and they're based in hate. And in the early 2000s and in the late 90s and 80s, those were used as weapons to people who were gay to make them feel awful. And in a world where we're trying to, like, not be awful to people and love each other and stuff. It's inexcusable to use that word when you literally are only talking for like a minute. You only have 60 seconds to talk to people. And that's one of the words you choose to use. It's a major mistake and it needs to be out of your vocabulary if you're a human being. So uh, yeah, in a different organization, Chuck Buffalo and Manel Kopp are no longer um, working for that organization or they're suspended. And you brought up a great point to me of it really, it, you know, you look at if this were to happen in other sports, there would be a lot of consequences. But MMA just seems like, well, we've moved on to the next week and it's kind of forgotten about it. And I think it's also a very prime example of, you know, for everyone who wants to, you know, tout this thing, how mixed martial arts is a mainstream sport, things like this to me are an example of why it's not a mainstream sport. And it is interesting that we are in a sport where, a situation like this happens and there really appears to be no consequences. Well, it's, it's hard for Dana White to, to punish someone for saying that word because he said it before on tape when he was mm -hmm. talking crap to Loretta hunt. Yeah. So, you know, Dana's at this press conference and he's just like, yeah, everyone makes mistakes. You know, it's like, maybe me, maybe I made that mistake uh, 10 years ago. So it's like, all right, Dane is probably the wrong person to punish. You know, it's like my nephew punishing me for um, stealing cookies from the cookie jar. You know, Dana has stolen the proverbial homophobic slur cookies from the, from the cookie jar before. Um, it's rough. It's awful. If you, MMA was a bigger sport, it would be a front headline. Basically, all I got to say is I hope this doesn't get normalized. I hope we don't see more people saying those slurs. We need to get that out of the vocabulary. As athletes, they need to hold themselves to a basic standard of not getting on the microphone and saying that and, and, and putting that into the lexicon and popularizing that word. That word needs to die because it provides a lot of hate and it makes people feel lesser than themselves. Yeah, no, I mean, and when, you know, you – 
The only thing I could see is maybe this Charlie Racky and maybe his manager at that point said, hey, you need to put out a statement right now because we could get cut immediately. Could have been very well. The one thing that saved Chuck Buffalo straight up may have been Manel Cop doing it too because the UFC probably was going to cut Cop, who's Correct, the top yeah. flyweight. Um, so since Cop said it, they probably were like, well, shit, we probably we can't cut Chuck and not cut Manel, and we're not going to cut Manel. But the thing with Chuck is he was so expendable. Even though Chuck Buffalo is someone who has a good personality in terms of charisma, he's just another dude. And he means nothing to TKO Entertainment. So they could have made an example out of him right off the bat. So, yeah, it was complete job-saving mode. But, um, yeah, guys, stop saying slurs. That's my big uh, TED Talk. You just gave me a great transition. Just another dude. I'm on Facebook. I'm scrolling down the timeline, and I see Uh UFC fighter arrested. And the first thing I go is, hold on, that's a UFC fighter? Yeah, what's the name of the dude who got arrested? Uh, Hussein Asabov. So this comes from MMANews.com as he was uh, arrested in connection to a kidnap and torture of a man in Thailand. According to uh, MMA News, which uh, pulled it from the Pocket News, it says he was apprehended alongside his twin brother relating to an attack allegedly carried out by three men. Per the report, the men are accused of forcing their way into a villa in a resort on September the 3rd, holding the resident bound and gagged and beating the man ac- across an extended period of time for information. Asimov uh, made his UFC debut back in February, lost a decision to Jamal Emers, was scheduled to fight Daniel Pineda in October. Of course, that fight has been canceled. And I, I just, I, my first thought was like, if you want to know there's a sign of so many UFC events, like, when I have to go, is this guy a UFC fighter? That's probably not a good thing. So, the thing is, I can relate to you so hard, and um, there are so many dudes on this list. So, you told me. I came up with the idea, and then I went and did it. So, the idea is I went up and I picked some people who are UFC fighters, and I picked some other names. And I'm going to give you some people who are scheduled for UFC fights or are still a part of the organization. And you have to tell me if they are or are not a UFC fighter. Are you ready to play this game? I'm a little scared to play this game. I'm just going to tell you I'm a little scared. <laughs> All right. You play at home. And I'll, I'll say this. All right. We'll, we'll start off easy. We'll start off easy. Uh, John Jones. Okay. Clearly he's a UFC fighter. All right, already wrong. John Jones is uh, a um, he is a pipeline producer at Farrakis, a game oh, developer. Oh, good lord! Twitter okay, okay. John Jones. All right, all right. So, oh for one. All right, number six. Number number six, uh, which is the, the number of the of the. Uh, I, damn, I put one through six, and I put a random num- random number generator. So, Nursultan Rat Ruzabev. I'm going to say not, not a UFC fighter. Okay. Nursultan Rusebev, not a UFC fighter, according to Jason. Well, Nursultan Rusebev is going to fight Kyle Barallo at UFC Fight Night on November 4th. He has won one fight in the UFC when he knocked out Bruno Ferreira. He is, uh, is from Uzbekistan. He has a 35-8 and 8 record, and his nickname is Black. All right. I'm 0 for 1. Okay. Okay. I made this really hard. All right. This one is, is hard because... Uh, 
Zhang Linpeng. I'm going to say they are not. Wow, you won. So here's what makes this one hard. There is a fighter named Zhang Lipeng, who used to be a UFC fighter, who is now fighting a one. But uh, Zhang Linpeng is, um, he is a Chinese footballer for Shanghai Port. So you are one for one. You are doing good. You're doing good. All right. No, see. no, I'm one for two. Oh, yeah, one for two, one for two. All right, let's go with New Shiyuji. Say that one more time. New Shiyuji. I'm gonna say not a UFC fighter, but I'm about, I'm, I'm about ready. I'm ready for you to tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> he is two and zero in the UFC. Uh, he has competed on the road to UFC twice. He's undefeated. He knocked out uh, Billy Pasolaton, and he defeated. Hold on, Sean that is Gukchoy. not a road to the UFC. I don't think they're tank. Are they technically UFC fighter? He's definitely on the roster, bro. He's fought twice, and he's he's two and zero. He's gonna get another fight. His name is Little King Kong. He he's gonna get another fight. He's undefeated on the road to the UFC. You act like I watch these road to the UFC shows. Yeah, well, you should know about the twenty-two year old from uh, China, uh, Sichuan, China. Okay, okay, okay. Let's see. You got three more. You are one and two, one one right or one for three. I'm doing this bad. All right, Shavkat Mercer Yoyev. Why is that? I feel like that's a contender series fighter, but I'm gonna say he's not a UFC fighter. Yeah, he is the president of Uzbekistan. All right, we are two for four. We're we're, we're, we're back to five hundred. If I'm a baseball player, I'm like I've got like eight hundred million in the bank account. All right, Gavin O'Connor. Gavin O'Connor. I'm gonna say he's not. He is the director of the movie Warrior. Uh, okay, you could Joshua Van. He's a UFC fighter. Yeah, in process of elimination. No, yeah. no, no. I've interviewed, I've interviewed him. <laughs> I've interviewed him, yes. Oh, he is a go. UFC fighter. Wow, bro. You started out not looking too good, and you got four right and two wrong. You should be proud of yourself. See, I think you went to international fighters because you were trying to get me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wanted you to go 0 for 6. <laughs> But it, it's really just, hard. it's, yeah, it, dude, it, it's, yeah. It, you're doing good, dude. You've you you got really over, good. I mean, look, there's over, there, there's times where, you know, like I'm doing the, the weekly shows with Pete and I look at these fighters, I'm like, have they fought in the UFC before? And then you're like, oh, they've had three fights. And, but I mean, when you have, I mean, the UFC roster is 600 plus. I mean, it's, it's I've crazy. I've forgotten about half the fights I saw last Saturday. I do. The show goes on. The show goes it. on. Before we move on, which we kind of already have, but I just want to say one thing. Felipe Dos Santos, you are a badass. I just want to say that. He was awesome against Mino Cop. I just wanted to mention that. I'm looking forward to following his career. Yeah, I mean, he was supposed, yeah. To, yeah, he was supposed to be on the Contender Series, and uh, that one doesn't come, and he gets this opportunity. And, you know, and, and look, he was in a no-lose situation in terms of that matchup because no one expected him to go out there and win. I certainly held it and give him a chance to win, go out there and, and win the matchup. But, of course, we got, as we mentioned, the show goes on. We got uh, Noche UFC or UFC Noche, depending on uh, whether you're doing ha- – I've seen the hashtag is UFC Noche, but then I see the UFC call it Noche UFC. 
But of course, we got the rematch of Grasso and Shevchenko. Also, you got Jack Della Maddalena versus Kevin Holland in the co-main event. And uh, you know, I'll, we are going to give uh, we're starting with this fight card every week when we're previewing a UFC fight card. Daniel and I are going to give our three uh, best bets. You know, it would be easy for me just to say, "Oh, give me Raul Rosas Jr. at minus seven hundred. Yeah, that'd be easy." But I'm trying to to find some things that have a little bit of value here. But uh, obviously, Grasso uh, Shevchenko. The rematch here. Of course, we all saw remember what happened the first time. Grosso wins uh, the opening round of that one, and then Shevchenko comes back in the second and third round uh, utilizing her grappling, and then of course in the fourth round, uh, she throws a, a spinning kick. Grosso gets her back, ends up submitting her and going down as uh, you know one of the biggest upsets in UFC title fight history. And as I think about this one, Daniel is... And overall, I do like Shevchenko to go out there and win this matchup. I just don't think she's going to make the mistake. But there's also this part of she's 35 years old. And more times than not, when you see a fighter lose their belt and they're in this age range, typically they don't win. I mean, Amanda Nunez, I think, is kind of uh, the anomaly in this one. But I I, st- I think Shevchenko is going to use utilize her grappling, utilize an overall MMA game, and I think she's going to re- she is going to regain her title on Saturday night. Yeah, look, this is a really great main event, and I think when I look at this fight card, I'm really excited for those top three fights. I'm excited for Shevchenko Grasso. I'm excited for Holland Madalena. And Mitchell and Rosas gets me excited because we get to see what Rosas has got. I'm also excited to watch Roman Kopilov fight on this card. But Grasso Shevchenko is a great main event. And Alexa Grasso shocked the world. I consider it one of the greatest upsets in championship history. What she did, what she did against Shevchenko. Grasso is an incredible talent. I consider Valentina to be one of the best female fighters of all time. I would imagine she's going to be incredibly motivated. The age and the whenever the weight of holding the championship is off your chest, that seems to age people a lot. But um, that's going to be one of my three bets here. Not only Shevchenko to win, Jason, but I'm going to go Shevchenko to win by decision as one of my three bets at plus 150. I do believe Grosso is going to be difficult to finish, and I do believe Shevchenko is going to utilize the grappling, as you mentioned, as well as some solid striking to win a decision. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the one thing, and and I was, you know, I was doing some research this week on this fight. I mean, the one thing that you look at Valentina, and I think overall, when you think of Valentina, for the most part, I think you do think about striking. But she has really utilized her grappling throughout her UFC career. I want to say in her last four fights, she's got at least three takedowns in all those fights. Um, you know, look, I think it's just don't make the mistake, and and maybe you know, and maybe you kind of. Look at, you know, maybe did the gas tank kind of go out on her in the last matchup. But uh, you know, overall, I like Shevchenko to win this one. Kevin Holland, Jack Della, Madalena, your co-main event here. Of course, uh, I was watching the the media scrums yesterday with Jack Della, Madalena, and Kevin Holland. Of course, one of the questions was about, you know, why is this fight on this card? Maybe not in Sydney last week. And uh, Kevin Holland, uh, let's just say he, he fired back at the media saying, um, you think I would not take a fight to go fight in Sydney? He goes, do you not remember where my second UFC fight was at? <laughs> and, and a reporter goes, Brazil. He goes, no, China. He goes, I would have got on a plane and fought in Sydney. He goes, I would have done it. He goes, but this is the date that was given me. Jack Del Madalena said that he wished he, he would have rather fought in Sydney, but hey, this is where it is. And, uh, you know, one of the things about this matchup is you got Kevin Holland, a little bit unorthodox fighter. 
but a, a massive reach advantage in this one of eight inches, 81 to 73 in here. Um, and Kevin Holland's actually going to be one of my best three bets of the weekend. I'm going to take that Kevin Holland money line at plus 124. I think wow. he gets the job done here. Um, I, I would not be surprised that he ultimately uh, utilizes a little bit of grappling in this one. I mean, you got to think about Jack Dell Madeline, and I know we're in a sport where we remember the last time we saw a fighter, and of course, the last time we saw Jack Dell Madalena, he nearly lost against a fighter who stepped up on just a couple of days' notice and Basile Hafez. And I, there's a lot of people that think Basile won that fight. Uh, but Jack Dell Madalena, I mean, this guy's a, a great prospect, but I think Kevin Holland's going to get the job done here. And, and I'll also say this about the uh, I, I was really watching the, the media scrum with Kevin Holland and the questions that were being asked to him. And, and maybe this is just what media, sports media has become in 2023. Are we more interested in getting an Instagram clip than asking questions? Because these questions were goddamn awful. And, like, I don't know. How about you ask him about the fight that he has? There was maybe two or three questions about Jack Del Madalena. And then it's just I'm watching this and I'm just like – are you guys listening to what he's saying? And the best part is when he fired back at a reporter when uh, basically Kevin Holland's like, yeah, the title's not my biggest aspiration. Yeah, that uh, that sucks whenever you're trying to watch the, the whole thing and you're trying to get some information or you're trying to watch something interesting. And if you're if you're an MA fan and you're watching this scrum, you're, I'm not getting anything from this. This sucks. And I love watching scrums and you get to see the fighters – head and maybe they'll say something funny and kevin holland's gonna be funny he's gonna be entertaining he's gonna give you your instagram clips if you just ask him some normal questions and you actually care about what's happening and not just i want to get that instagram clip you're gonna get it because kevin holland is big mouth he says crazy stuff all the time you ask him what do you have for breakfast and kevin holland's probably going to give you an instagram clip when he's talking about bacon and eggs or whatever so i agree with you I love your pick there. That's a great bet, brother. Uh, this is Kevin Holland welcoming Jack Della Maddalena to the adults table in the division. This is a big, big change in talent level for Jack, and it's coming off of that close fight. So I think it's a great pick. I'm going to go with Maddalena. I really love the promise he shows has shown throughout his career, and I think this is going to be a graduation, not him getting sent back to the lower card. The other thing, one of the things that I would love to maybe hear follow-up questions that help expand on something that Kevin Holland said. He, you know, he talked about training with a smaller team and, and the benefits of that, and he kind of correlated to Malik Lewis, who was on the Contender Series on Tuesday. He said he's like, "Hey, Malik was training for a while, and he left. We saw it happen on the Contender Series, and and you know, of course, you know, we're in this era of." Going to the big gyms, which, by the way, speaking of big gyms, did you uh, happen to see the American Top Team tweet this week? Oh, yeah. What do they tweet out? Uh, telling Drake to not bet on any of their fighters. <laughs> I got I got to I got to pull up the tweet. I saw I saw it um, and I just started laughing. It was like. It was like, yo, Drake, don't bet on any of her fires. But it's basically the, the sentiment of it. Um, let me find it here. It goes, dear Mr. Drake, please don't bet on any of our fighters. Pray emoji. Respectfully. Hashtag American top team. Hashtag just say no. Hashtag God's plan. Hashtag UFC. Yeah. Yeah. Drake's got to stop it. Drake has got to stop it. Um, that is hilarious. 
Yeah, Drake. Uh, if Drake is picking you, that's basically as good of a death wish as coming out to Eminem's as a theme music. Yeah. You re- you ready for the dumbest bet? That's going to be one of my three bets. All right. This one's not going to win, but if it does, I'm going to feel really good about it. I don't like the fact that this guy has fought um, in the Alaska Fighting Championship. Oh, duh. Really. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> really don't like the fact that he, he, has, he has made his name fighting for the prestigious AFC. Fri- look, look. Friends don't let friends <laughs> bet on fighters from Alaska FC. Jason, I'm going to win this. I'm going to shock the world. My three bets are going to hit, and I'm not only going to hit with my three bets, I'm going to hit with big odds. Terrence Mitchell plus 525 money line. Bank it. I'm fa- I'm fading Rosas. I'm fading Rosas. And I'm going with an Alaska fighting championship fight. This is probably the stupidest decision I have made in a very long time, and I'm a man who makes a lot of dumb decisions. I mean, you know, we're recording this here. I mean, it's 824 your time. I mean, did you not been drinking? Did you did you did you maybe put a little shot in that coffee this morning? <laughs> All I gotta say is uh, last time I saw Raul Rosa's fight, I wasn't that impressed. Look, look, I th- to me and and Mitchell is stepping up here on two weeks' notice uh, as Rosa was supposed to have another fight, but to me this is this show, showcase fight. I was looking at the prop bets on Raul Rosas, uh, you know, winning in the first round, winning via submission in the first round. Just not great odds there. Um, I, look, I, I think Rojas should probably just roll right through Mitchell, uh, but we'll we'll see what happens here. I mean, I would say this: there's a, there's just not a lot of underdogs I really like. I mean, the underdogs that I think um, if you tell me they've got the best chance of winning. Uh, even though I like Shevchenko, I think Grosso is a plus one forty five underdog. Is someone that sticks out to me? Chris Oshiagos plus two hundred five. Um, I would also say Kyle Nelson at plus two hundred five would be another one. Uh, I'm going to go over my other two best bets for this week. I'm going to go over to the female side of this fight car on the prelims. I'm going to go two fighters to win via decision. Give me Loopy to win via decision against Reed. Look, she has a massive wrestling advantage in this one. She should use her wrestling. If she uses her wrestling, she should be able to take down Elise Reed at will. The other one I'm going to go to, give me Jasmine. Um, you know what? You could just take the money line at plus 105, but I'm going to go a little risky here. Give me Jasmine wins via decision, plus 145 against Tracy Cortez. Um, I, I like what Jasmine's been doing here recently. So I'm gonna my three will be Valentine will be Jasmine wins via decision plus one forty five, Godinez via decision plus one hundred, and Kevin Holland on the money line plus one twenty four. Okay, I um I got Shevchenko by decision plus one fifty, Terrence Mitchell money line plus five twenty five. I was gonna cash put put your down payment on that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the same fight you did, but I'm gonna change it a little bit. This is also kind of stupid because she's never gotten a finish in the UFC. But um, actually, I lie. She got a finish in her second fight in the UFC. I'm going to go Godinez via submission at plus 375. I'm thinking submission. I'm not going to go with the round, but if I had to guess, it would be round two. So those are going to be my three bets. Godinez by submission, Terrence Mitchell at Shevchenko by decision. 
Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, overall, I mean, I, I mean, I do like the top two fights in this car, but uh, you know, look, it's it's a it's an UFC fight card. Um, you know, if you're not doing anything on Saturday night, you definitely uh, want want to sit there and check this one out. Now, uh, when we talk about some MMA news and notes that have happened over the past couple of days, let's first off talk about Bellator as it was announced yesterday. Bellator 301 is set for November 17th. This is going to be in Chicago. We got two title fights. Plus, you have a semifinal matchup in the lightweight World Grand Prix. Also, a grudge match in the bantamweight divisions. Of course, a fight card going to be headlined by Yaroslav Amosov defending the welterweight title against Jason Jackson. Co-main event, Sergio Pez defending the bantamweight title against the interim champion, Impachi Mix. And then, of course, you got uh, Patricky Pitbull taking on Alexander Shalby in the semi- one of the semifinals in the lightweight Grand Prix. Also, we got Rafael Stas taking on Danny Sabatello. Danny Sabatello from the Chicago area, so that should be big for him. And uh, you know, one of the things you really notice about these Bellator cards, because well, we all know what's going on with Bellator. These are really loaded up cards. I want to mention uh, something that came into me on my Instagram from uh, Danny Sanders, and he, he goes, he goes, Bellator gonna Bellator. I see Jason. I'm starting to think Coker is not smart with the fight thing. How do you not have Sergio Pass and Patchy Mix as the main event? Why Yaroslav should be main eventing fights, but against Jason Jacksons, that's not a main event. Read the damn room, Scott Coker. Uh, I mean, look, we we saw this a couple months ago when they didn't make Sergio Pass and uh, Patricio Pitbull. The main event, I mean, I'm sure this is probably um, has a lot to do with, you know, higher weight class there, but uh, it should, I mean, look, you look on paper, this is a really good Bellator fight card, and, you know, we're going to see what happens with Bellator um, over the next couple months. Does PFL acquire them? If PFL does acquire them, what's, what's kind of this whole thing look like? Yeah, it's very surprising that we're getting a card after Bellator 300, but... It seems like they are really stuck in the deck with these fight cards. They are just putting everything on there. Mm-hmm. And um, they're fight cards I'm looking forward to. I am very much excited for Bellator 300. And I would venture, I would tell you, I think Bellator 301 is a better card. Amosov and Jackson, Mitch and, Mix and Pettis, Pitbull and Shabley. I think 301 is better than 300. I don't know how many more Bellator cards we're going to get with current ownership, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I like it. Look, they're giving you a reason to sit at home on a Friday night, you know, and and look, and there's times, whether we're talking about the UFC, belts, or PFL, there's times where you, as a fight fan, you might say, hey, is this keeping me home on a Friday night or Saturday night for doing whatever you like to do? You know, whether it's maybe going out with the fellas or maybe it's, you know, going out with your lady, whatever it may be. To me, Bellator has given us a reason. Also yesterday, the PFL had an announcement that Kayla Harrison will be a part of the PFL World Championship card coming up here on November the 24th. She's going to take on Julia Budd in a 145-pound matchup. But to me, the also other interesting part that was finally revealed, I think we all kind of knew that this was likely going to happen, is that this event will be a ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Price point was not revealed in the press release, which that'll be kind of a an interesting number to see what is there. Um, it, it's, it'll be a Friday car. It's going to be in, in Washington, D.C. And um, I, I guess the question really is, and I think this goes out to any mixed martial arts fan, is like, like what is the highest price you would pay for this pay-per-view? If I sit there and said... The pay-per-view is $29.99. I'm not opposed to paying that price for this. Yeah. 
Yeah, there just isn't going to be like a lot of great fights that I'm excited for. And at that point, it's like, why would I spend more than $20 for it? But I'm going to buy it because I'm going to cover it. But as a casual MMA fan, there's really not the PFL can do that will get me to buy that show. Because like all those cha- all those tournament matchups, a lot of those finals don't get me super excited. Kayla and Julia is good because we finally get to see Harrison fight again, and that's the draw there. Mm-hmm. But that matchup in particular isn't super interesting. The one really interesting Kayla fight isn't going to happen because Larissa is fighting in the finals of the tournament. But Larissa versus Kayla too. I mean, that's what I want to see. Or maybe it's Larissa versus Kayla three at this point. Uh, or maybe it's Larissa versus Kayla four. I don't even remember how many times they fought. But uh, that's the fight I want to see. I want to see those two go head to head. All right, I want to. I'm going to throw a tweet out at you. Queen of MMA has the opportunity to show the world she is the best pound for pound. Look for two blockbuster opponents versus Kaylin next year from the PFL. Champion to superstar. That comes from Don Davis. Wow. And so one of the things in the uh, first comment on his uh, post comes from uh, at tier underscore Hunter. Isn't she coming off a loss? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard for her to be considered the pound for pound, but you know, she could, she could get there. She could get there. I mean, no doubt about it. She's freaking talented. It was a tough loss, but the idea that Kayla could be the best pound for pound fighter is something that could be the case for a fem- for women's mixed martial arts because she's shown that potential. She's had a long time to train. So if she's corrected those issues, it's possible. But right out the gate, it's not. And she's going to have to prove it against some other fighters than just Julia Budd. Talent-wise, she there. I think there is an argument. The problem is the resume doesn't speak best pound for pound. Yeah, yeah. You got you to not come off a loss. The quality of opponents aren't there. I mean, those fighters just don't exist at featherweight to prove or lightweight to prove that you're the best fighter pound for pound when you look at the types of fighters that are at 125, 115, and even 135. those The talent level is just different. I mean, the best fighters that she's fighting at 155 are former 135ers. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is if the PFL does acquire Bellator, and, and I've said this, I think Kayla Harrison, um, one, she is a big loser if Bellator goes away because then all of a sudden she does not have two organizations potentially bidding for her services. But... If you tell me PFL acquires Bellator, we get Kayla versus Cyborg in 2024. That's great. Maybe we also see Kayla versus Larissa Pacheco as well. Now, I want to mention a tweet that I saw come across my timeline yesterday, and this is from Kayla Harrison's manager, Ali Abdelaziz, where he says, all these cheated women in PFL at Kayla H fought. Now USADA will be on you 24-7. You better stop now. Also, that one coming from Bellator. Everyone has to give urine and blood samples. They will start looking like females, not again, not males. Uh, should be noted that one of the people that responded to us was happens to be Larissa Pacheco's manager, Alex Davis, where he says, Hi, Ali. Are you trying to accuse someone or are you just whining? Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's some subtext there that he's accusing maybe Larissa Pacheco. And. It's like, what are you doing? Play your, you know, what are you doing? You're you're being ridiculous here. You know, it's if you have some evidence, you have some proof, say it with your chest. Be clear about it. You're you're an adult. 
And yeah. uh, shout out to Davis for you know stepping up. And if you really think somebody is cheating, then be upfront about it. That they're using performance enhancing drugs. There's nothing wrong with it, that if you have proof. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, and I put a tweet out here. I mean, I, I think that there's times where people talk about Bellator drug testing, and I think they're clueless about what's going on. And and I tweet about this of look, Chris Cyborg and Cat Sagano were both recently drug tested out of competition. I, I would my educated guess on this one is that Chris Cyborg is the most tested fighter that's currently in Bellator. And since she came into the organization, she has been tested plenty of times, but there's always going to be people and, and look, and because Chris does have a failed test back when she was in strike force, that's it's interesting to me. The stigma never leaves Chris cyborg, but we've seen that stigma leave, leave male fighters who've tested positive for a banned substance. And it's like, well, why is that? Is it because Chris Cyborg has been, you know, a, a dominating MMA champion for, you know, the last decade? It, it's always like, it, it's it's interesting to me of why does a stigma leave a male fighter, but for whatever reason, there's people that won't leave that stigma away from Chris Cyborg. I have no idea why. Um, I think that's probably a big reason is the gender has to be a big reason why it's stuck with her more than the male fighters. Maybe because she she's a very polarizing fighter. She's a fighter that people have had opinions about for years. Um, she's always been one of the best female fighters in the world. But when you think of some of the great male fighters that have popped, like Vitor or Chael or Josh Barnett, didn't really stick with them as much as they did with Chris. You bring up a great observation there. I mean, maybe John Jones is maybe the only male fire that's really stuck to. That's true, because every time we talk about the greatest, of, I think it's because here's here maybe why. When we start talking about the greatest of all time, we start mentioning that because you have to bring it up when you're saying, was it GSP or was it John Jones? And that's a really big blemish for John. So maybe it's like we're talking about the best female fighter of all time. Was it Chris Cyborg? Was it Amanda Nunez? Chris Cyborg has this really big blemish. And that is something that could be a disqualifier when it comes to considering some of the best of all time. That's why Barry Bonds isn't really considered the best of all time. But if you look at his statistics, he's right up there. The reason I put Amanda Nunez over Chris Cyborg, it's not just the fact that she has a win over her. To me, it's comparing resumes. And and I'm not trying to, to dog on, on Chris Cyborg here, but like you sit there and you look at and if you if you put her best five wins up against Amanda Nunez's best five wins, even if you are the biggest Chris Cyborg fan, I don't know how you say Chris Cyborg has a better resume. Now, if you want to sit there and say Chris Cyborg did it for a decade, okay, I, I think that's that to me is the best case for Chris Cyborg, but. There has to be something about the strength of competition and, and how that strength of competition aged over the years. Yeah, and there's just a big gap in that strength of competition. And to me, it's as simple as saying, is water wet versus is Amanda Nunez a better fighter? Okay, is Amanda Nunez, does she have a better career than Chris Cyborg? The answer is yes. To me, there's no debate. I'm sorry. And Cyborg's great, an all-time great. I just feel like it's like comparing like Michael Jordan to – Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is like a top 12 basketball player of all time, but he's not Michael Jordan. Chris Cyborg is a top female fighter of all time, but she's not Amanda Nunez. 
I can't believe I, I think I'm the first time anyone's ever talked crap about Tim Duncan on his podcast. He's like the same. I don't know why I went after Tim Duncan. Maybe because I'm a Rockets fan. And to be fair, I probably should compare compare Jordan to Elijah one. I think they won in the same draft. Maybe they didn't. But uh, I mean, yeah. look, when you talk about the Mount Rushmore of female mixed martial arts, no question, Chris Cyborg's on the Mount Rushmore. Oh yeah, who is it? Cyborg, Nunez, Shevchenko, Rousey. Is I think. Rousey the I think. I think you have to put Rousey up there because without Ronda Rousey, I don't know if female mixed martial arts is at the le- at the stage it's at now because without Ronda Rousey, I don't think the UFC ever gets into female mixed martial arts. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think Rousey deserves to be on there. The one you might take out might be Shevchenko, actually. Cyborg deserves to be on there. She really represents that first generation of fighters, along with Katina Carano, that really were, you know, putting that really sacrificed a lot. It's crazy to think how long Cyborg's career has gone on. Really, that's that is going to be kind of the most impressive part of her career is the longevity of it. So Cyborg, Nunez, Rousey, and then now you're looking at and it's probably Shevchenko, but it's either Shevchenko or maybe Ioanni on Jacek, or maybe Rosanami Hunis, or hell. Maybe it's going to be Zhang Wei Li. Let's see what she does in her championship reign. See, now I just I want to pull up the Carano Cyborg car. So this was August 15th, 2009. It's 2023. How many of these fighters that are on the car are still active in mixed martial arts competition? I believe there is only, outside of Cyborg, I think there's only two fighters who are currently active that come across my mind. Maybe a third, but I think that the third guy I'm thinking of, I think is maybe not active. Gegar Musasi, Fabrizio Verdum. The one that could still be active is Zach Bucha. Um, he might be fighting in the regional scene um, for Shamrock FC. Just pull up his topology to see when his last fight was. His last, He was supposed to fight back in May. So when you look at that that Cyborg Carano card, so you had Cyborg defeated Gina in the main event. You had Musasi defeated Babalu in the co-main event. Gilbert Melendez uh, won against Sushita. Verdum defeated uh, Mike Kyle. And then the prelims, you had Jay Heron defeated Jesse Taylor. Justin Wilcox defeated Douglas Davis. Alexander Trevino defeated Isaiah Hill. James Ter- Terry defeated Zach Bucha. And Scott Lightly defeated Mike Cook. So the other one that might still be fighting, oh, wait. He's labeled as retired on Wikipedia, but Jesse Taylor did fight in March of 2023. Okay. So he's he's someone who might still be fighting, but uh, that's crazy, bro. I mean, basically everyone in, in there is already retired. Um and uh, that, I mean, that was that was a big time fight. And man, Cyborg kicked Carano's ass, dude. I just, I, I'm, I'm on the Wikipedia page, and, and just think about this. It, right underneath the uh, reported payout, it says ratings. The event averaged 576,000 viewers on Showtime. It peaked with 856,000 viewers for the night's main event. Um, the Carano Cyborg event set a new MMA ratings record for Showtime, eclipsing a card headlined by Kimbo and Tank Abbott, which averaged 522,000 viewers. Boy, Bellator wishes they could get 500,000 people to watch their product on Showtime. <laughs> on Showtime, the same channel. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy, but uh, it's, it's... I don't know if Bellator's got 300,000 viewers on Showtime. I don't know either. But uh, I'm telling you, when whenever this final chapter of Bellator is closed, 
and we talk about what was the downfall of Bellator, I think it's got to start with the product moving the showtime as, as that's, that was a, the start of the downfall. Yeah. Um, I think that's a big part of the downfall. I think the second part is really never being able to rebound um, after the pandemic. And when yep. the pandemic happened, they that really stifled that product. But the move to Showtime is absolutely the most important reason why we're where we're at with Bellator. I'm gonna tell you this right now: the moment Bellator's not on Showtime anymore, I guess I can get rid of my uh, my Showtime uh, subscription. Yeah, there ain't much going on there on Showtime that's keeping me either, my man. Yeah, I mean, I I, I have it a part of my Paramount Plus package, and I think it's I don't know, I think I, I think Paramount Plus I don't know, I pay 13, 14 bucks a month for it. I watch a lot of like CBS yeah, yeah. shows on there, but yeah. uh, I, I but I'll be honest. With you, the only thing I watch on Showtime is Bellator. It's it's the uh, I I did get into Billions at one point, but then I just stopped watching it, and then, and now I'm like I don't even remember the last episode I watched. Yeah, there isn't a lot as I'm going through. Yeah, it's uh, it's no HBO Max. I, I have Max because I, I get it for free, part of my uh, ATT wireless subscription. But uh, <laughs> the only time I really watch stuff on HBO Max is if I download it to watch it on an airplane. Okay, that's a good service. That's nice. You don't have to worry about no streaming. You already got what you want. Not bad. To, anytime I'm taking a flight, the first, what I immediately do is I go to the Netflix app. I start downloading a crap ton of things. Because I have no idea what I want to watch. Uh, on my flight last week, I started watching the um, Untold on N One. That was really good. Um, and then I'll download stuff. You know, just stuff to have as potential entertainment on the airplane. Even though on an airplane, I'm kind of a sleeper. So you know, obviously, I was in Minneapolis last weekend. Holy cow! U.S. Bank Stadium. Oh, that PA is loud. Whew. Felt like my ears were ringing for a couple hours after that game was over. But I got to tell you about found. Yeah, tell uh, me what's going. What happened? Uh, found a pub um, about five minutes away from our, or five miles away from our hotel, and it kind of looked like a like a barcade type thing. And uh, we we get in there, and uh, you know they had a, a bar outside that had enough seats for everyone I was with, and so we were just you know watching the college football action, you know, and uh, you know having a little dinner, having some drinks, and so uh, by as we're walking out of the place, waiting for the Uber to get there, I see that they now have security out front wanding people down. I look at my buddy Chris and go, yeah, I think we made a good decision to leave now. <laughs> oh my God. If, if you, if you gotta, if you're wanding people down and essentially get into a bar arcade, that's a that, bar arcade. That doesn't yeah, give a good, that's club. not, that's not a good visual. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're just, uh, I don't, yeah, never a good visual. I agree. It's a, uh, I hate. I mean, I don't go out that much, but I hate that. I mean, it makes sense, but I feel like they've never caught somebody with a gun like that. Could be wrong. Yeah, I feel yeah. like if I have, a, I feel like if I have a gun, and I see people are getting wandered down, I'm probably just not going to walk in. Which I tell you what, maybe that means it's really effective. So I'm, I, I digress. I now have changed my opinion and think that that is a beautiful thing. So when I worked in uh, radio marketing. You know, so one of the things I did was nightclub gigs. And so uh, I was filling in for somebody for a club that I typically, I only did it one time. And so, you know, um, you know, we have these pop-up banners, you know, we put up on the stage type thing, you know, has, has a radio station logo. And so I get to the club and, um, 
you know, I'm starting to bring all my stuff in, you know, all the stuff for the broadcast and, and I bring in, you know, the, the pop-up banners, which are just in black bags, you know? And the guy goes, Hey, we need to search those. I go, huh? I go, dude, I work for the radio station. He goes, Hey man, we got to search them. I go, what do you think is going to be in here? I go, it's pop-up banners. And so they open it up. He goes, oh, I guess that's what it is. I go, okay. So I set it up. I literally, I text my boss, go, hey, just going to let you know, they wanted to search the bo- the uh, bag that the pop-up banners are in. Yeah. I go, that is. <laughs> I go, I'm just saying, if you're searching the radio station's pop-up banners, maybe not a place we should be. Yeah. Uh, that. When you work for, when you work at a place, a place of entertainment, when you're taking stuff in there, the security guards can be really annoying. <laughs> it's like, really, you're checking me. This is my workplace. <laughs> I am working. I don't have time to make you feel good about what you're doing, but I, I do. And I have a smile on my face and I say yes. But in, inside, I'm like, you, why are you stopping me? Why are you checking my camera bag? Like, like it's just like you, you should know. It's like I've been working here for five-plus years, and I've seen every week it's a different security guard. I don't know what's going on. But I've been here for five-plus years, and I uh, still get searched. Yeah, I'm, I mean, here like three, I'm here like four hours before a game. It's like, what? Like, like really? I'm going to have that much prep work? Yeah, there, there's a there, there's a couple of gigs I did back in the day where if I was there like every week, you would know the security guard. Say, hey, Jason, just walk right in, you know. But uh, but you know, last week we did the podcast. You you were talking about the the backside was hurting a little George. bit from uh, performing the, the the stunner. So uh, I, 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 it looks, I guess we're doing we're doing a little better here. Uh, so what's going better. on in the journey? A little better, a little better. Still haven't trained, but I'm going to train on Saturday finally. But it still hurts a little bit. The thing is, in my real job. Working for the news as a cameraman, I sit down all the time because I'm driving. So I have been battling that throughout. It's been super annoying. But it feels a little bit better every day. And I'm excited to get back to training for wrestling. I actually don't have anything the rest of the month. We do have a show um, on the 24th, but I'm not on that show. But I'll be there to help set up and tear down and also hang out, uh, host one of the wrestlers we have who used to be in WWE named Ricardo Rodriguez. I just did a podcast yesterday with one of my friends. He's a Spanish commentator for AEW, actually. Really proud of him. So he had me on his podcast. And so that was cool. Did that for two hours. Um, I ate some Mexican chips that now have me have like wanting to go to the restroom. Um, so that's that. And then um, in terms of wrestling, chilling out, just getting in better shape all of September. And then in October, we have three shows at the very least. And um I'm not, I'm not including my other shows. I usually I probably have five shows in October actually. Now that I'm looking at it, because I have three dates on there, but I didn't include any of the New Breed Wrestling, which is the place I do every two weeks, and that's kind of my home promotion. So okay. we are chilling the rest of September, Jason. But when October comes around, we got maybe five shows. That's awesome. That's awesome. You you were on that grind. Yeah, got the email yesterday. Royal Rumble is coming to Tampa Bay in uh, January. Oh. Interested, interested to see what those that's gonna you know I, I text they, is it gonna be in the stadium it's gonna be uh inside tropicana field where the rays play okay oh. 
So uh, yeah, I, I text my buddy and uh, it's like, hey man, we should we should try to go to this. It's actually it's crazy. The the Saturday it's on is the same Saturday at Ga- that Gasparilla, which is a huge parade here uh, in, in Tampa. But uh, it, the right. one thing I did one thing I did find very interesting about it was like it was a, a WWE marketing email I got. And it, it had, you know, hey, register so you can get the pre-sale code to buy tickets. And uh, they had all these wrestlers mentioned. What I found really interesting is there were four performers that were not mentioned. Who? Roman Reigns, The Usos, and Solo. Damn. Yeah, I mean, no you, got, you, got to, you got to think. It's... The Usos, the Usos got to be probably headlining a, a singles match at WrestleMania, right? They got to be yeah. building up to that, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. Well, one of two nights because there's two nights at WrestleMania. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I I think that has to be it. Yeah, I uh, let me find the email that I got yesterday. Like Cody Rhodes was was the very first uh, wrestler that they mentioned. Um. Yeah, so they mentioned uh, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Rhea Ripley, uh, Damian Priest, Finn Balor, Gunther, uh, Io Sky, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, Bobby Lashley, Rey Mysterio, L.A. Knight, and more. L.A. Knight is becoming a who that guy. That guy is over. Oh yeah, he is badass. He is a great talker. Let me end it with this: Royal Rumble. This is a nice little way to end it. Because this was the the week of TKO, the week of UFC and WWE under the same umbrella. Maybe we'll see some corporate synergy. So this is my ender. Who are you going to see in the Royal Rumble? That's a former. That's a UFC fighter. Which UFC fighter this year is going to come down and is going to try and win the Royal Rumble? It could be a man. It could be a woman. There's two different Royal Rumble matchups. Jason, who who you want to see? If I'm the WWE. <laughs> Connor's got to be the one that makes the most sense, right? Oh my God, Connor! But WWE they drug test. All right. Sure, He's got- sure they do. <laughs> sure they do. Okay, yeah, Connor's okay. a good one. Connor's a good one. I'm gonna go with uh, if you're not going with Connor, which he's not doing that because did you see the last time he got involved with another sports little fun idea when he was with the Phoenix Suns and he murdered that mascot. Yeah. Well, then there's Miami Heat. Uh, you know. I'm, I'm sorry. That's that. Oh, it was yeah. the Miami Heat match. Not my bad. Yeah, there's also that, which we kind of have all well, forgotten about, which we shouldn't. I, I think it was on Tuesday, the Contender Series. Danny got asked about Connor, and it almost came like, hey, there, there's no, it doesn't seem like there's any fight announcement coming anytime soon. Yeah, I and mean, Connor was all like gassing up the UFC on Twitter on Saturday, just like, just been like, oh, amazing, amazing, amazing! It's like, oh, he's trying to do something here, I, dude. You, you come on, that's it's rinse and repeat with Connor. We know how this goes. Every time there's a big UFC event, you know Connor's gonna say something on, on X to get, and because you know there's websites out there that are gonna take whatever he says and create a story off it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh. He, he is he is a smart marketing man. He is, aside from the fact that he commits crimes all the time. And, you know, you're still not, you know, look, until, I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm at this point with Connor of like, okay, when a fight is officially announced, cool, let me know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I also know that anytime Dana does something, there's always going to be a report that's going to bring it up because they, they, they're going to want to see, maybe do, you know, 
maybe they get something they get said that that's notable. But I, I just, yeah, I, I'm almost at this point now of like, does Connor fight again? I don't know. Look, I he made, he made his, look, he made, he made a crap ton of money in selling proper 12. He made a crap ton of money selling a well whiskey. Yeah. Look, I and, and, and hey, hey, if you're a Connor fan, you get upset with that. I work in the bar industry. It's a well whiskey. Look, dude, we just saw Junior Dos Santos and Fabricio Verdun fight. He's gonna uh, fight again. I mean, I'm not one to say anything. I watched that fight. First off, holy crap, Fabricio Verdun's face. Woo, got tore up. I, I, I'm just saying, those boys were in the weight room. Leading up to this one, yeah, they definitely looked a lot better. I don't know what they, they, they I, clearly they were taking some good vitamins. Yeah, <laughs> apparently, Daniel, that. they need you. You need to get go down to to South Florida and find out what the good vitamins are. I think you're 100 percent right, my man. I think you're 100 percent right because they uh, they they aged in reverse, but um, quickly JDS aged Mauricio forward with his eye. I mean, he looked like he had the eye of Sauron. Coming out of his eyelid, uh, but yeah, JDS looked good. Looked good. Nice little stand up on the feet. Clearly, won the decision. One of the judges gave it to Verdum. I guess he was dude, what, what fight was that guy watching? Yeah, that was crazy. But uh, yeah, I guess now we're gonna get JDS and Ngannou. We'll see what goes on with that. Oh, God, that just doesn't. I mean, look, I, I want to see PFL succeed, but like, I'm. What what fight, what fighter can they put across the cage from Nganu that's going to really get you intrigued to fork over? You know it's probably going to be $70, $80. Yeah, well, there isn't one right now. but to, to me, potentially, you know what? I would, I would be more interested in Ryan Bader than I would JDS. 100%. Yeah. Hell, I'd be more interested in Vadim Nemkov who's going up the heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, those guys are in their prime versus JDS very past his prime, and there isn't much interest there. Does have some name value, but even in the fight against Verdum, still didn't walk away thinking that's the guy I want to see fight. Like, And then, like, who the hell is the PFL going to put Jake Paul against? Mm-hmm. I mean... Nate Diaz. I, I don't I don't think there's a chance in hell that happens because I don't think okay. Nate will do I don't think Nate will do a deal with PFL. Wow. I, yeah, I, it's I, I, just, I I just don't I mean like I mean look they could get they could offer him a ton of money but I think Nate has made it very clear uh, you know, he will do it but it's a coping motion I mean I don't I don't know if Don Davis and Peter Murray uh, follow Nate Diaz on Twitter um, he don't got anything good to say about the PFL. Yeah. Yeah, so if it's not that, then you, we'll see. Maybe he'll fight a social media influencer. Oh God, what was it going to be? Jake Paul versus KSI? Mm. Yeah, wouldn't put it past him, but at least he knows how to sell those fights. I don't think they put him against a legit MMA fighter. I really don't. Yeah, at least no one with a strong takedown base. Or, or, or it's going to be like you know, hey, uh, the fight's going to be at one eighty five. Hey, uh, he's fighting a lightweight. Yeah, that too. I think it's going to be similar to what we see Robert Rosas get matched up with. We'll probably see him take on somebody from AFC. Oh, good Lord. Dude, friends don't let friends 
bet on fighters from Alaska FC. You let me do it, brother. You let me do it. Look, you can do whatever you want to do. I'm yeah. just saying, if we're sitting in Las Vegas, clearly we would not be at a uh, MGM resort right now because we see what's going on with the MGM resorts. But uh-huh. if we're walking up to you know any any you know resort that hasn't been hacked in Vegas, and you go, hey Jason, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a uh, gonna put twenty dollars on terrence mitchell i go hey bro we can just go to the bar if you want to lose twenty dollars yeah yeah well it's one of my three bets let's see if i can make some magic happen this weekend let's see what's going on let's see if i go three and oh or oh and three i guess i guess literally i'm gonna have to clip that just in case it actually does happen yeah if it does happen we're getting ourselves five retweets let's get it (laughs) it'd be like well daniel called it yeah a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Yeah, it does happen. It does happen. And, uh, you know, you're, you're like Dion. You'll keep the receipts. I'll keep the receipts. I'm coming. I believe. I believe. <laughs> I don't know who they're playing this week, but I'm ready. Let's get it. Uh, they play Colorado State. Uh, oh, but then um, the next week they play. Uh, after Colorado State, they have Oregon and then USC. They're probably going to split that. I believe in I believe in Colorado. I think Oregon is liable to lose a stupid game. Dude, so I think if, they beat Oregon and lose to USC. If Colorado wins their next three games and is five and zero, oh, oh man, oh man. If they if they go if they do that, Dion is going to literally coach in the NFL next year for the. He's going to coach the Cowboys. That's what's he's he's always, he's always said he doesn't want to coach the NFL. I, I think really? with De, uh, to me, Dion is where he is doing, I think, an amazing job is he is the CEO of that football team. And yeah. he has compiled a great assistant coaching staff. And I mean, look, and, and I, uh, the, the college football podcast I listen to, it's uh, the Cover Three podcast with CBS. And Danny Cannell, two weeks ago, he, he said something. He said it in a joking way, but I think there's a lot of truth to it. The hierarchy of college football, you know their worst fear for the national title game is? What? Colorado versus FSU because both schools have utilized the transfer portals to make themselves elite programs. Yeah, that's a good point. But also that's one of those things where that trend is already there. Everyone is using the transfer portal except for Clemson. (laughs) Dude, oof. It's, uh, yeah, this is a sign. The fact that FSU Clemson next week is a noon kick should tell you what ESPN thinks of Clemson right now. Can't put them on national. And who knows? Maybe they'll fight back. I mean, they, their quarterback has a good pedigree. Maybe that offensive coordinator needed some time to get things figured out. So we'll see. But no, nah, the, the worst fear is Duke versus Colorado. Imagine Duke goes undefeated. They might. Their quarterback was pretty good. <laughs> Their quarterback, Riley Leonard, is a damn good quarterback, and they, they got a good coach, and Mike Elko, that I wish was still A&M's defensive coordinator. Maybe we would have beat Miami. But uh, Duke's pretty freaking good. Duke-Florida State, that's the big game for you. Look, look I'm just I'm just saying. I mean, is Texas A&M trying to uh, pony some oil money to uh, go get Urban? I don't want Urban Meyer. I do not want Urban Meyer. <laughs> I do not want Urban Meyer. <laughs> Oh, that might yeah. be a match made in heaven. That might nah. be a match made in heaven. <laughs> Our next coach is going to be Cliff Kingsbury. I, I tell you, but I'll, I'll say this. I'm home this weekend. I can't wait on Saturday to sit on my couch 
and watch 10 hours of college football. It's the absolute best. I mean, literally, I'll tell you this. The fridge is already stocked with Modelo's. I just need to get some limes. Yes, I'm that bougie. I got to put the lime in the Modelo. Yes, I am that dude. Hey, man, enjoy yourself. It, it, was, uh, it, was, it, was like, it was like two weeks ago. I was out having dinner. I was just by myself. I was sitting at the bar. Because she was like, if I go out for dinner by myself, I just don't, don't want to sit at the table. I'll just go sit at the bar. And uh, I was like, oh, let me get Modelo. We bring Modelo over in, in, a, in a bottle. And I was like, hey, man, can I get a lime? Yeah. He's like, all right, bougie. Love it. Look, uh, look. Yes, I am bougie. I'm bougie as fuck. I, I can admit it. You know? Mm-hmm. My buddy Chris will tell you, Jason's bougie as fuck. I mean, you know, like, look, I go to a concert. Do I want to be, like, in the pit? Hell to the no. Put me in the club level. Yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Well, hey, man, I hope you have some badass modelos. Hope you get some good-ass games. My bougie See, I, brother. I can't, I, can't, I can't drink too much modelos because I got to be I gotta be at the For stadium sure. at 830 on Sunday morning. <laughs> Time to get to work. Well, hopefully your Tampa Bay team does good, and my Texans, I don't want to talk about it. And, uh, yeah, I'm proud of you. Beat the Vikings. Hope you have a badass season, man. Hopefully the Bucks have some magic. That D looks good. Let's get it. Yeah, man. Best part Best part of that weekend is, is getting the W. Second best part, it was like 60 degrees on Saturday night, man. It felt amazing. Oh, I'm jealous. I'm so jealous. As, as what, it's probably like 90 degrees outside right now? Here in Tampa, yeah. oh, it's eighty. It's eighty-five degrees right now, but uh, our high today is uh, well, it looks like ninety-two. Damn, yeah, yeah. My high is probably. Uh, you probably, you're probably gotta be in the same right, same ish area. My high is ninety-eight. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah, it's been like that every day. It's, it's <sighs> awful. Good lord. Yeah, every day it's usually like a hundred and some degrees. Dude, how hot is your car when you go home from work? Well, I'm in my car all day. It's always hot. I'm in my car all day. That's my office. I go from scene to scene. And yeah, no, but so I'm hot. thinking like obviously you're driving. A, do you drive your own vehicle around or are you driving a station vehicle? No, a station vehicle. No, but I'm thinking because when you get back in your own car after a day of work, how hot? Like I can, I, I, I go like like when I leave. It is hot. It, it is hot. It is hot. I go there when I go to the gym. I come home from work and I go in my car and it takes like a while. It takes like 30 seconds. I roll the windows down and I put the AC all the way up. And that's <laughs> I get it done. Oh, yeah, bro. I, I, I know. I know exactly what you mean, man. Sometimes you get that car and that, you know, temperature gauge, it'll say 100 degrees. I'm like, oh, God. I go max AC. Make sure you blow out that hot, that airy, that cold air. Let's get this thing yeah. warmed down. But as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of podcast. Of course, uh, new episodes typically come out either Wednesday or Thursday, depending on what uh, myself and Dame's schedules look like. So as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the MA Report Podcast. <laughs>